Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Cobbers, from the land down under, this is the Cricket Badger Big Bash Daily Podcast. Whether you're with the Strikers, the Stars or the Sixers, you might be a renegade, enjoy the heat, love the thunder, like a scorcher or prefer hurricanes. Brought to you in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk. Tie your kangaroo down, put another shrimp on the barbie and enjoy the fun. It's gonna be a ripper. Big Bash 10. Hello everybody, welcome back to another Big Bash Daily Podcast on the Cricket Badget, James Butler. We have no cricket today in the Big Bash, that takes a little bit of a holiday on Thursday and Friday this week. The Big Bash Dailies are back with you anyway. Thank you very much indeed to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of the Cricket Badger Podcast, snapping up the right mortgages for you, bluecrocodile.co.uk. One of the regular features of the Big Bash so far, and we've seen uh, just over a week of games in this competition, were the three rule changes that they've made in the Big Bash for the 10th edition. And they keep coming back every single podcast. As we go through this tournament, I don't want that to happen. So what we're going to do today is look at these rules and we're going to make our assessment after a week or so's play. And then we'll try and put it on the back burner a bit and maybe come back and revisit them a little bit later. But I'm joined by Sam Dowling, Ash Turner and Oliver Prendergast on the podcast today. We're going to give our assessment on the rule changes so far their impact on the Big Bash, whether we think it's been positive or negative, and maybe how we could tinker with them to make them a little bit better. Because all of these rule changes, all of these ingenious things that cricket administrators bring in can be tinkered with. They're not set in stone and they may change in in future editions of the Big Bash. Let's start with you, Sam. In terms of uh, what we've seen over the, the first week or so, I mean, actually, it may be worth going through the, the three rule changes. The power surge, rather than having six power playovers at the start of each innings, they have four, and then the batting side can then use the other two power surge overs further down the line. We've seen the big bash boost point being brought into the equation. So the team batting first, their score after 10 overs, we register that, then the team batting second. If they pass that score after 10 overs, they get a point for being ahead at that stage. If they're behind, team batting first gets the point. If they're level, they get 0.5 points each. And then we've seen the X-Factor substitutions. We've actually seen a few made over the uh, last couple of matches in the Big Bash where... After 10 overs of the first innings, both sides have the potential to change their teams. Sam, your first impressions of what we've seen in Australia over the uh, last week or so, do you think that these changes are making a difference? Do you think they're actually a positive change? Do you think it's actually making your viewing pleasure more enjoyable? Yeah, I like, I really like the power surge. It's probably the least controversial. I quite like how that adds an additional tactical element 
to the game rather than just having, you know, before you know the, the six over the top of the, the power play overs. I know they played around with that in one day cricket before, but since 2020 came into the pro game in 2003, that's always been the case. And I really quite like, I was just having a look through when teams are, are taking it and kind of over 14 to 16 seems quite popular. But I like the fact, you know, if you, we've talked before, if you've got two set batsmen, do you take it then um, on the basis that they're going well or actually because they're going well, do you just leave them as they are? And so I think it gives coaches and captains a bit more to think about. It gives some of the guys a bit further down the order who might say bat five six a chance to bat with those fielding restrictions lifted so I, I think it adds a, a good new dynamic it's good for the bowlers as well I think you know there's plenty of wickets in these power playovers as teams will be looking to score runs quickly so it does enable the bowlers to have a bit more of a go okay so sums in favor of the power surge then Ash what about you is there anything that you've seen that you really like so far in the rule changes yeah, I'm also a really big fan, actually, of the power surge. I think it's kept games alive when you've maybe thought the teams are sort of getting left behind. And it's adding a really nice additional tactical element to the matches. So I'm quite a big fan of the power surge. And surprisingly, it's not just benefited the batsmen. It's also ended up sort of conversely benefiting the bowling team, which has surprised me, really. But when it comes to the boost and the X factor, I'm still a bit uncertain. I like the boost. I like the fact it's adding that extra element and it's getting teams to be proactive towards that 10-over target. But it does worry me a bit that, say, someone like the Thunder, who did so well to fight back and get a win against the Heat, were almost a little bit punished in the sense that they only got three points to that to the four but I guess they've only got themselves to blame for that and the X factor I just don't I don't quite see it having much making much of a difference or really being used that much or particularly having a positive effect on the game for a team What about you Ollie? Uh, how do you stand on uh, what you've seen so far Are you, is there something that's making you purr with uh, pleasure when you watch it? Yeah so to just go on for Ash and Sam said previously I think the, the dimension of the um, power surge it just means it puts even though you think it would put it on the bowlers, I think it puts pressure on the batsmen uh, later in the innings because they have, they feel they have to cash in, and that has almost led to wickets or led to a change of mindset. Also, it makes me have to stay concentrated and realise if a team has taken it or not. But when I'm predicting, you know, what's going to happen next? Yeah, I, don't, I think that's been a, the, the, like you said, like everyone else has said. I think that's probably been the, the more positive out of the rule changes in regards to the X factor. I don't think it really works. I, I, I mean, I'm sure it can have a real big impact later on, and especially in the playoffs, if a team were in a bad situation. The other idea that was thrown around today by Brad Hodge was the fact that you name a squad of 12 and then the toss is done, then you choose your team, which I know you probably won't like, James, but that, to me, seemed to work better than actually having a substitute come on because I think you can almost reward poor batting by putting an extra batsman in your team using the substitution and then going on to uh, the other rule the bash boost I'm not sure how I feel about it I think there's sometimes there's some real benefits to it and, it, and it's good to reward a team that maybe lost by one run and they managed to get a point out of the game but I think that's really good but also a team that's been bowled out for 110 in the, in the 10.1 overs they end up getting more points than a team that lost in a very close game just by run either side. So I'm not sure how that plays out. But it does keep, it does give another element to think about throughout the game instead of just waiting for the last overs to kill a game off. But I do think it could lead to some more heavy defeats with teams chasing just at one point when they know they're probably not going to get anything from the game if they didn't get that, that bash boost. In changing times like these, make a change yourself. 
buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time buy a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite. They're just straight-talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. You said there, Ollie, about Brad Hodge's suggestion. I've not heard that, actually, and I quite like that. I don't, I, I, I don't dislike that. My own thoughts on the X Factor, and we'll, we'll, we'll start with that as, as the first discussion point. One of the massive things about cricket, in all forms of cricket, you read the pitch, you think about your position in the table, you look at how your team has been playing, and you pick your 11 accordingly. And you pick it because you think that 11 is going to be the best 11 for you in this particular game. Now, you, you might get that absolutely bang on and everything goes beautifully for you. Or you might have misread the pitch or you might have got your tactics slightly wrong. But that's your fault as a side. And at the moment, there's a little bit of wriggle room, isn't there, with the X-Factor substitutions? Because if you've got it slightly wrong and it's a raging turner when you've picked all fast bowlers, that is your fault. You've misread the pitch and you should be you know, not, not at full strength because it's, your team has made the wrong decision. At the moment, I think the X-Factor gives you an out. I can see the benefit with Brad Hodge's thing because you might have totally different tactics if you're batting first or second. Having a the chance to then name your side effectively after the toss has been made, I don't dislike that because you get you're playing the eleven that you think is best for you batting second or batting first. Why restrict it to twelve? All of these sides have squads of twenty or whatever. Just name your side after the toss. Yeah, just do that and then just take the X Factor subs out of it. What do you think, Sam? Maybe I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, but I'm not I know, I know you you have strong views about the X Factor sub, but I don't mind it, you know, in all other sports. A, we're not seeing it used that often. And thinking it through, in, in all other sports, you, you know, you could say the same about football and rugby. You kind of pick your 11, your 15 for the game ahead of it and you, you shouldn't have a chance to change it. But actually making the, again, it's another element of tactics, game management from players and coaches into it. So I almost, I, I, yeah, I like the, when they first brought subs in, I think back in 2005, the criticism was it favoured the team winning the toss. Cause I think you had to name, name the sub before it. And so, yeah, it, I think you would want to allow teams to name at least a 12th and 13th person so that they didn't have their hands tied behind their back depending on which way the toss went. But I'm not as against the X Factor sub as everyone else. I don't see the difference if, if we're talking, I don't know, in terms of the spirit or the morality of cricket, if that's the right word for the, <laughs> the rules in terms of picking your side. I don't see the difference between not having to name a squad or an 11 until after the toss and the ability to change within the game. I'll go back to my point that I make a lot on this podcast, that surely everything that you do in terms of rule changes has got to be for the benefit of the spectator. Because ultimately, it's an entertainment industry. I know it's cricket, but it's an entertainment business. And I don't know, Ash, what the... X Factor sub actually adds to the, the spectators' experience, particularly as during the start of this big bash tournament, they've not communicated the, the um, substitutions very well to the spectators. Yeah, I think a big problem we saw yesterday was they just wasn't clear who the sub was, who they were coming on for. I think at one point we only thought one person had done the one team had done the X Factor sub, and it turned out to be both. I don't think it's been communicated that well, and I, I like the idea of using subs and subs add another ta- tactical dimension to it and it should make a real big difference to the game and that should bring the excitement and the entertainment factor for the fan. But I d- don't see with the current stipulations on it how that happens in the big bash. The only way a sub works in cricket is if you can almost do it really quite late on when 
and other players already had a go basically and failed. And then that almost seems to make it a little bit unfair depending on who's batting first or bowling first. I just don't quite see how it works. For me, I think the Brad Hodge idea is actually a lot, a much better one. I think it's harsh to punish a team who might pick an 11 hoping they're going to bat first and then on the toss for a coin or the flip of a bat as it is in the big bash, then decides whether that was the right 11 or not. I think it'd be better to start naming teams maybe after the toss. I like that idea quite a lot. I do. I think that's I think that's a good way forward. And as I say, the big bash thing, no nothing against them at all for trying to introduce these rules. I think it's good for the game to try and think uh, ahead and try and get stuff that's more exciting. But if some of these rules don't work, bin them off. BlueCrocodile.co.uk Sort your mortgage in a snap. Are you a first-time buyer with your eyes on that dream house? Are you wanting to move or looking for a better mortgage deal? Let Blue Crocodile find the right mortgage for you. 10% deposit mortgages are returning. If you need to know how much you can afford to borrow, just visit bluecrocodile.co.uk. One of the rules I think, and I disagree with a couple of you, I think the Big Bash Boost Point, I think that's a really good rule. There's going to be occasions where a team gets a point that kind of struggles to 79 for 9 he's bowled out the next ball he's bowled out on 10.1 overs but still picks up a point for it that's just one of the things you're going to get I think with this big bash boost point but what it does do is if you control 76% of the game you're charging at halfway and then all of a sudden you lose a flurry of wickets and end up losing the game you still get something from it and I, I don't dislike that and it also Ollie brings in a a little bit of a game within a game halfway through the second innings, isn't it? You get that, you know, a team needing, say, 16 from the 10th over of the match. Do they stick or do they twist? Do they think that's too much to go for? It's too much of a risk or do we actually go for that extra point? And as we go through this points table and as we get towards 14 games played each and teams are in 6th and 7th and 5th and 4th and every single point matters, that's when this big bash boost point, Ollie, I think is going to come into its own. Yeah, so I, I absolutely, and I think it could keep the competition alive for a lot more teams as well with, with that point available, even when you're getting beaten up. The point I do like about it is when a team is notices that a side may be trying to get to that point, even though they may not win the game, it leads to even more attacking from the uh, attack and play um, bowling changes from the fielding side. Yeah. So I noticed the other day that there were more bowlers going through their four overs in the first seven, you know, due to potential of that happening so it does create another like I say game within the game and also the nuance of it behind it, it is really helpful I just as long as I think I, I, I would like to know what it's like in the ground how this how it's communicated and what's required for the big bash boost like I said earlier in this uh, communication for the, for the fans is crucial I'm not sure that's been done as well as possible so far in this but as long as that's done I think it could be really exciting because you could see a one-sided contest actually leads to something exciting happening within the game and people actually getting behind it and actually up in scoring rates and the entertainment because that's all everyone's after isn't it yeah then there needs to be something which is obviously signposting how many they need off the next eight balls or something is it you know a countdown clock or something to judge that chase or at least have that target on the board or something like that which i'm not sure is there at the moment mortgages are simpler than you think when you have a crocodile on your side Blue Crocodile, making mortgages snappy and simple. Visit bluecrocodile.co.uk, follow them on Twitter at Blue Croc Money, or find them on Facebook, Blue Crocodile.
Sam, one of the things that the, the Big Bash Boost Point does give, they've obviously got three points for a win as well in BBL 10. I think it takes out the equation, potentially net run rate. Not a massive fan of net run rate as a divider at times in these sort of competitions. We saw in the IPL, a lot of teams finished very, very close together and net run rate was the decisive factor. And just because you've had one massive defeat and then been very, very close in all of the rest of your games, I don't think that should define your season. And even in this very embryonic table that we've got at the moment, there's only two teams on the same amount of points. Adelaide Strikers, Melbourne Renegades are on four points each. But as we go through... Teams will separate out, I think, a little bit more. And net run rate might not be as big a factor as we get towards the end of the uh, league stage as it is in some of the other tournaments, which I think is a good thing, Sam. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a huge net run rate fan either. And largely, I think, because uh, we've, the whole theme throughout this has been that everything has, needs to be for the fans. It's an entertainment, in inverted commas, product. And net run rate, nobody really knows what's going I mean, the statos do, but the fact you can't work out really what you need. You, you know, we get to the, the final game of a group that's quite close. You have to have someone who's written a whole article explaining the various different permutations. And actually, as a fan, that's very difficult. There's much more tension potentially in the ground if you're like, OK, so we need to score. Actually, we need all four points, including the boost, rather than the three points just for the win, there's actual, the fans can see there's, a, there's an element of tension as you're approaching that tenth over. So yeah, net run rate, it's one of those, not very fat user slash fan friendly, I don't think. So I completely agree on the bash boost from that perspective. Ash, one of the things with the power surge, which I, I don't think is working at the moment, is that the teams don't quite know how to handle it. And a lot of teams seem to be very data-driven at the moment, and they kind of do everything from computers. And the uh, sort of gut feel on the ground, they, they, they almost seem to kind of nail their colours to the mask, and they think, yeah, they've predetermined when they're going to take these power surge overs. Criticism, I mean, that's a criticism of the teams. This is, a, I think the power surge is the one of the rules where we have to let that develop over the 14 group games and before we can really... Uh, make a decision but my counter argument has always been that all of these rules are pro batsmen you know, when you take a power surge that is to the benefit of the batting side yes I know more wickets fall in power play overs and bowlers will maybe relish the chance of bowling in the 15th over when the power surge is being taken but do we need to um, think I mean I made the suggestion yesterday I think on the podcast that why not keep the initial six over power play which we've all got used to give the batting side a, a chance to play a power surge and then I can't remember who it was it might be Michael said well give the bowling side the chance to put nine men back on the fence for an over or something later on and give the bowling side something a, a trick to play further down the line is it too batting friendly the power surge really thought that the power surge would be too batting friendly and I, that was my biggest concern I, I love the idea I just thought it was too batting friendly I actually don't think it has been whether that's just because it's early days and it's hard for analysts and coaches and captains to work out when is best to use it. And it's hard for batsmen to get their head round, right, I've got this power surge now, what is my target from it? Whether that's the only real reason why it's not been all batsman friendly and whether in two years down the line you'll find that the power surge isn't just massively batsman friendly and you're not seeing lots of wickets tumbling like we've seen so far during the power surge, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I like the fact that the, the batsman gets to choose two overs or the batting team gets to choose two overs when they get the, the lowered restrictions or the higher restrictions, however you want to look at it, for the batting. But I do also like the idea of, of evening it up a little bit, giving the bowlers the chance to pick when they want to send an extra couple of fielders out of the ring. And so I, I really like the idea of trying to add in a, a bowling power surge as such. It's just, again, though, are we overcomplicating it? Are we trying to reinvent the wheel? Are we trying to make cricket that little bit too 
too complicated. We well, yes, we're going for extra entertainment and extra tactical things to look at, but is it is it just overcomplicating it for the fan or for the child who sat at home and thinking, I, I just want to see Team Pink play Team Blue yeah. and smash boundaries and stumps to go everywhere and whoever hits the most wins and that's all they're bothered about. I'm, I'm not sure. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. That leads me very nicely into my final question of this podcast. I agree with you a little bit. You know, badges like ourselves, nuffies down in Australia, who pour over every single scorecard and, and, and watch every single match, will gradually take these new rules into their hearts and minds and, and understand them inside out and probably know them better than some of the sides and players. But if you're actually trying to build a product and you're trying to encourage more viewers and more people, spectators in the grounds... There is an element of cricket which is about keeping it simple and understandable. And everybody, to a, to a degree, knows what a T20 match is and, and has been over the last 17 years, or whatever it's been, since it, it came into play. Is there a danger that we're trying to put too many bells and whistles and fireworks and pyrotechnics and singing and dancing around a T20 match when actually it's the cricket that matters, Ollie? And we're forgetting the actual cricket and we're trying to just... The bells and whistles are becoming more important than the actual matches themselves. Well, without getting into it too much, I think that's that's one of the, the main, some of the main complaints around the 100 are it's not effectively cricket or it's another version which the game doesn't need. Either the game has a uniform format with some slight changes such as maybe a substitution of the Big Bash to keep it exciting or, you know, DRS or non-DRS, those sort of slight changes. I think it could be a case of overcomplicating it. Now, I don't think that the power surge, you know, for example, is overcomplicating it, but I think it's on the verge of a little bit too much overcomplicating it. I, I think it, it's meant to be a simple game that people can go and watch, enjoy, and get into, and, and then almost enjoy to the max without getting too involved in it. And if they grow into it, they're going to encourage them to go to watch other cricket. If you want to make another product that is purely about the cricket, this isn't the way to go. If you want to make it more entertaining, but actually take away a little bit from the cricket, I think that's the way this this will head it. So I think with the over complication of the rules and variance across the world, that that could happen. That's what it's all about, Sam, isn't it? It's it should be about the cricket. And the danger is that you see, I mean, the Big Bash is a good example. The first few years of the Big Bash were fantastic. The audiences grew and grew and grew. It was a product that they all took to their hearts. It was on at prime time, sort of viewing in the evenings on on the, on the television over there, and it was becoming quite massive. They've then sort of elongated. It. they've added all these bells and whistles and people have kind of turned away a little bit haven't they and the danger is that rather than actually go back trim it back and go back to what was successful to start with you'll try and add another whistle here another ribbon there another bell there another firework there and you go so far away from what was successful in the first place i agree i mean there is a, a correlation between the extension of the number of games and the kind of popularity of the tournament you could say there was an element of kind of greed whether that was financial or just wanting the the spotlight actually 
what they ended up doing was having games in, initially it was just Christmas, school holidays, so everyone could go down in the evenings and, and enjoy themselves, because um, of course it's their summer holidays. And then it, because it was extended, it went on beyond holidays, and there were midweek, mid-afternoon games that just aren't, aren't the same catch. We love innovation, but sometimes the simple things do work. And, you know, what we were saying about the bowling power surge, the likes of us on here, we would love that. We'd get really stuck into the intricacies and the tactics of it all. But actually, if they're just trying to bring crowds back into cricket, then it's the basics. And I think for 2020 cricket, runs on the board is the key. People want to see big runs scored and score quickly. That's the... A good way to finish this um, because we, we all want to see cricket successful. We want to see the Big Bash successful. We want everybody in the world to appreciate cricket like we appreciate it. And we're talking about Fred Smith down the pub, aren't we? And, and Bruce in uh, in a bar in Sydney. Yeah, what's he going to do? Is he going to be watching the rugby, watching the cricket? What's he going to be watching? We want him to actually turn over to the cricket channel. And I think the more complicated we make things, the less likely he's going to have his uh, lights lit up by it. So hopefully um, we'll reach a happy medium in the end and cricket will understand what is good and what is quite so good and what is too intricate for people to actually really get their heads around that isn't the, the danger with saying something like that is sometimes you make it sound like you're thinking well I'm more intelligent than you so I deserve cricket you don't but that's not it is it it's about just getting that uh, that level because T20 is supposed to be bite-sized fun and I think sometimes we're making it a little bit more of a, a meal and uh, that's not necessarily appealing to everybody that we're supposed to be appealing to Thank you very much, though, you three, for joining me for this chat about the rule changes. I'm sure it'll come up as we go through the rest of BBL 10, because these rules ain't going to go away during this incarnation, and we'll keep on chatting about them, but maybe less so after we've drilled down into this podcast. But for now, Ash, Ollie, and Sam, thank you very much for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers, all. And uh, thank you very much indeed for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the English players in the Big Bash 10 tomorrow plenty of them and how they're getting on and how it's uh, lighting our fires in terms of uh, our english enjoyment of the big bash competition thank you very much to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of the big bash daily podcasts i've been james and i'll see you tomorrow big bash 10 thanks for listening we'll bring you another edition of the cricket badger big bash daily podcast in association with bluecrocodile.co.uk tomorrow see you then Podcast Network.